Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Dragonstone podcast. Before we kick off, I just wanted to do a bit of shameless self-promotion and remind everyone that my books are open. I'm currently accepting uh, appointments for tarot readings and astrology readings. The way that I do this is I work entirely online. Um, During the summer night market season and the winter night market season, I do see people face to face, but that's only in Melbourne and it's first come, first served. You can't really book in for that. But on Fridays, and I mean all of Fridays, the 24 hours from midnight to midnight on Friday Australian time, my books are open and I'm seeing clients for tarot and astrology readings. Depending on what you're after, the readings are very, very short, 15 minutes for tarot and go all the way up to an hour for astrology. I'm also very generous with the time, so we can take those times as minimums um, rather than strict head over to the website dragonstoneastrology.com and check it out. Be sure to check out the whole website too because a lot of my work is up there. I have articles, I have links to videos that I've made and then of course there's the talismans. Do please check out the talismans. They're they're really um, quite potent and I'm getting a lot of really good feedback from people who have bought them. So um, check those out as well. Anyway, on with the show. Dragonstone and welcome to this episode of the Dragonstone podcast. It's a solo show today and it's also a show about tarot. I wanted to do a show about tarot, I intended to do quite a few, um, because I'm also a tarot reader as well as an astrologer and I have an equal measure of fascination and, uh, and, and time for and passion for tarot as well as astrology. And uh, my approach to tarot is, is quite different to astrology as well. So I just wanted to kind of engage that part of my brain and hopefully speak to that part of my audience as well who prefer tarot to astrology. So where to start with the tarot? It's, um, it's an interesting place with the tower, which is the theme for today to start, but also I think we should probably just cut straight to the chase and there's no better card for revealing the truth of a matter in my experience than the tower. I use the Rider Weight deck for work with clients and occasionally for work with myself. Um, I find that the Rider Weight is a great tarot deck to work with others because we all sort of know the iconography and we all sort of know the symbolism um, in each card because the deck is just ubiquitous. It's, it's everywhere and it really has influenced and informed the creation of most of the decks that have come out in the 20th and 21st century. So in the Rider Waite deck, the, the tower is pretty unequivocal in terms of its symbology. We have a scene where a tower is being struck by lightning, a golden crown is being unseated by that lightning bolt, two figures are falling headfirst from the tower, and flames follow them down um, on their, their journey downward. Uh, so as a set of symbols, you can't make the tower for anything positive or happy, at least not at first. And the, the standard interpretations of the tower sort of follow suit. It's, it's about disaster, it's about calamity, unexpected and unforeseen. Some interpretations also include things like sudden death, 
um, which is not always the case, of course, but definitely the the feeling that comes along with those significations when the tower presents itself in a spread. It's definitely a gut punch uh, when the tower shows up. In the backstory each month, um, as well as taking a, a card each day just to give me an understanding of what I'm in for. And the spread that I use for a monthly forecast for myself involves um, places for everything in a person's day-to-day mundane life. There's a space in that spread for home and family and kids and creativity and gifts and conflicts and money and things of that nature. And there's also a spot for health. And this month, the tower popped up health spot. And even though I'm you know, 20 years into professional practice as a tarot reader and I've been studying it for longer than that, uh, it's still that, that same visceral response to the tower is there. So I figured why not, why not talk about my experiences, so to speak. So a lot of the, the story that comes with the major arcana and a lot of the story that underpins, it's, it's sort of the same story that we find repeated in other uh, traditions, whether those are spiritual traditions, uh, hermetic traditions, magical traditions, uh, or what have you. The story is the progress from zero, the fool, to 21, the world, um, from ignorance to, you know, gnosis, from an unenlightened state to an enlightened state. The tower kind of comes broadly in the middle of that story. The way that I interpret the tower is through that lens, which is we have individuality and we have sovereignty represented by the crown that gets dislodged by the bolt of lightning. And then we have the intercession, um, often, you know, the divine intercession, depending on how you view the divine's relationship to the world around us, that unseats that sovereignty and presents itself as calamitous. Um, it's, it's an interesting card because, you know, when we read the crown as sovereignty and we read, you know, the, the lightning bolt as, as God kind of punishing us for being too proud, um, Tower of Babel style, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to kind of see beyond that initial kind of response of being punished. I don't necessarily see that as being the case. I take a more causal approach to the tower and what it signifies. So the way that I read it is where, t- where the tower for you in a spread or where the tower has popped up for a client in the spread, most of the time, but not all the time, obviously, but most of the time, there's a causal relationship there between stepping too far into our belief that the individuality that you possess as an embodied human being is the source of everything in terms of the universe around you. Um, the belief and the illusion that you're in complete control of your destiny is often something that is intimately involved in the tower and what it represents, um, both as an explanatory card in a spread, but also as a predictive card as well. So let's take some time to unpack what that means. Personally for me, and you know, in most you know, spiritual kind of systems as well, we see the reality of some sort of divine intelligence or divine wisdom that guides how the universe runs and is also an, an explanatory kind of force for why things happen. And then we see that juxtaposed against the individual, the person, and the ego that can sometimes inflate itself 
and can sometimes have what the Irish call notions or what we might also describe as a kind of inflated sense of self-importance, basically. We can see really good examples of this in the way in which um, some of the more toxic masculinities sort of present this idealised individual as you know, a kind of completely sovereign person with no need for anything around them, completely self-sufficient, completely individual and completely in control of his own destiny. My experience and also the teachings of, of most spiritual systems that I've encountered are that that's fucking bullshit. That's a complete illusion. And it's something that the tower brings into pretty stark contrast. Because if we view the actual tower structure itself, the eponymous tower represented in the Rider Waite deck uh, as being the work that people can kind of do and the works that one conducts in the world in service of the crown of sovereignty and individuality. And we see the lightning bolt as just this kind of intercession from the universe that, that sort of destroys the tower instantaneously and often effortlessly, much to the dismay and the suffering and the pain of the occupants of that tower, then we kind of get what the tower is trying to tell us a little bit more, which is take a look around you, really. Take a look around you in society. Have a look at the tremendous amounts of effort that people will put in to try and actualize an understanding of the world, a dream of the world, a vision of the world that is operating purely from ego. And then look at the things that can happen in terms of their experience when the universe, however you want to imagine it, God, whatever, comes along and, and basically destroys that and destroys that, that vision or takes all of the work and raises it to the ground. You know, capitalism's a great, I'm, I'm on such an anti-capitalist uh, vibe at the moment, but let's look at capitalism. We've got the accumulation of a tremendous amount of capital. We have the desire to accumulate more capital. We have all of the work that we put in to do so. And we have the kind of overinflated egos that can attend to that when great wealth becomes available. And then you have a market crash, or then you have an act of God, a famine, um, you know, pestilence, maybe a huge pandemic that shuts everything down. And all of that wealth just disappears overnight. That is a tower moment. In terms of how the tower presented to me, you know, I, I'm, I'm a heavy, heavy smoker and I have nobody to blame but myself. Uh, and definitely there's a sense of, you know, ego driven, I'm going to cheat death, it won't happen to me kind of, you know, uh, approach to, to what motivates me to keep smoking, even in the face of enormous, you know, empirical evidence to suggest that that's bullshit. And if I continue to do so, I, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably develop some sort of smoking-related disease, if not the big C. So the tower showing up in the health spot for me was that kind of reminder, uh, particularly for this month, September, that my ego-driven, individual-driven kind of approach to my own health is going to result in the universe giving me a slap in some way, shape, or form. And that kind of visceral fear response has prompted me to finally after, fuck, now that I think of it, probably 30 years or thereabouts of smoking, finally giving that up. You know, is it going to be too little too late? Who knows? But definitely something is better than nothing when it comes to that. And that's the way that I've interpreted the tower. And that's the way that I often see the tower presenting itself in 
in client spreads and also in other parts of my own life, there's often a forgetfulness. And, you know, the Greeks would call this hubris in a sense, forgetting one's place, but also forgetting that one is in a relationship with others as well. And those others can be individuals that you're in relationships with, or they can be the big O other in terms of the universe around you. If we forget too much about the fact that we're in and defined by and just are relational beings, and if we start to believe that we're just individuals and that we're able to craft our own destinies, then sooner or later, something will happen like the lightning bolt that hits the tower. Something will happen to um, completely dislodge our own, you know, fantasy of being sovereign our own sort of mirage of sovereignty, so to speak. And we will experience this as a complete and utter disaster. So how do you kind of, with that in mind, um, how do you avoid the tower? Well, you know, the tower is going to pop up sooner or later for everyone. Does the tower always imply a sense of personal responsibility for the events that are described by the tower? Fuck no. Sometimes there's just acts of God, right? But the way that we experience those acts of God can often go through a cycle, particularly with grief and loss, where we cannot understand how an event represented by the tower can happen to us. There's always a why me about it. And, you know, deep, deep underneath all of that grief, and there's no conceivable way I can do this for everyone in just one episode, but somewhere in there, I believe there's a reminder that we're not individuals and regardless of what we do, there will still be tower moments that attend our lives. That being said, the best way to mitigate the effects of the tower and in some instances to avoid the frequency of tower card type situations popping up in our lives, in my experience, is to maintain that awareness and strive to arrive at an understanding of oneself as more or less relational first and foremost, and to see the individuality, to see that golden crown that we can sometimes put on as something quite powerful and as a result dangerous because we can start to get those notions about ourselves that we're we're kind of just individuals and our relations to and obligations to others both human and otherwise aren't as important as steaming ahead with what we're here to do so to speak maintain a sense of self that is relationally composed understand yourself as within you know as kind of deeply embedded within obligations to others and see your individuality as having a a utility, a purpose. The way that I, I see the ego as functioning, and, you know, this isn't for everyone, but this is just how I see it as, as a function, is that it helps me to kind of navigate the physical world around me. While I don't consider myself to be a purely material being, there is a portion of my experience that is deeply rooted in space and time, four directions and you know, all of the rest, right? I'm, I'm here on planet Earth. I need to get around. I need to pay my bills. I need to put a roof over my head. I need to kind of take care of my kids and um, be a loving partner to my, to my long-suffering partner. 
And my individuality and my ego allows me to differentiate myself from others just enough to get that shit done. And while I don't spend all of my time kind of in this blissful sense of oneness with the universe, I fucking wish, you know, I also don't want to spend all of my time convinced that I'm just a little fucking island in the middle of the cosmos and everything else can go to hell and I'm just going to do what I like. That's one way that I personally try and avoid the tower. The instance for me with the health and the smoking and probably a whole bunch of other stuff that I should have paid attention to a long time ago, that's one way in which, you know, I've forgotten that and stepped a bit too much into my own individuality. And depending on how the tower might pop up for you, there's probably a sense in which the calamity represented by the tower sort of issues from that misguided and ultimately illusory belief that you're just an individual. And, you know, while I'm talking, I'm also thinking of ways in which disaster can present itself as, you know, with cards that aren't the tower. Uh, So we can say, for instance, the death of a loved one. If that uh, loved one is young or if if the death is tragic, then yes, the tower is going to be there. But if, you know, say for instance, someone's gran who's 105 years old eventually peacefully passes away after leading a rich and wonderful life, then that event probably isn't going to show as the tower, so to speak, because there's a sense in which that's inevitable. There's a certain unexpectedness that comes from the tower. And that unexpectedness, I think, comes from our inability, obviously, by definition, to see it coming, but also that inability to kind of see beyond our own individuality and to convince ourselves, albeit momentarily, that the events that are often described by the tower couldn't possibly happen to us. So there's, it's not the worst, it can be the worst deck, it can be the worst card in the deck, sorry, it can be, depending on your mindset and depending on how you view yourself and your relationship to the wider cosmos, which, like it or not, you're defined by, reliant on, and in relationship to. It can also be quite good uh, for all of the tower moments in, in my life, and they've been fucking heaps, don't get me wrong. For all of the tower moments in my life, eventually I look back and I, and I sort of see the gold that's in there. It takes a long time. What you want to do is avoid the tower. What you want to do is kind of avoid arriving at that moment of unexpected calamity as much as you can with the understanding that it's sometimes just going to happen anyway. And you want to look for those parts that are within your control and stepping momentarily into an idea of the individuality of the self, just so long as it's useful for identifying parts of your life that you can exercise some agency and control over. And then choosing to make wise and rational choices in regards to that is one great way of avoiding the tower. When the tower shows up in a predictive reading, it's not, uh, it's, it's not locked and loaded. It's not written in stone. Um, I find that fate doesn't operate that way. It's, it's not necessarily written in stone. You can avoid it. My desperate attempts to do so in terms of health this month are, you know, quite sharply and radically changing my diet and exercise and, you know, changing, obviously, the cigarettes are going and the other unhealthy practices are going as well. And maybe that's going to help me to avoid a tower moment or maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it's already locked in. But the beauty of the tarot is that it gives you a bit of foreknowledge 
and it gives you the opportunity to do something to to change your fate for good or for ill so that's the that's the tower that's how i interpret the tower that's how i approach the tower that's how i would advise avoiding tower moments does it speak to the tower in its entirety Fuck no. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. You're not going to do that in 20 minutes or 25 minutes of a podcast episode. The best way to work with tarot cards is to start paying attention to how they pop up, do a thousand spreads and, you know, try and sort of get a feel for what each individual card means to you. Use the accepted meanings as a jumping off point and then start to work with the tower, for instance, or any of the other cards and unlock their deeper meanings. But as a general sort of um, rant about what the tower is, uh, I hope that's been of some use to you. Until next time, folks, take it easy. Hope you've enjoyed the episode and all the best. Ciao for now.